As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, welcome back to another installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer, college football writer. I cover recruiting as well for The Athletic. Joined once again by Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast. Carlos wearing his uh, his uh, Black Canes hat. He's, what t-shirt you got there? The MIA All Day stuff uh, going? Yes, sir. Got to represent. Got to represent. Got to sell Daddy, Daddy needs to pay for some Christmas presents. <laughs> It never ends, Carlos. Uh, today is Tuesday, December 5th. We're 20 days away from Christmas. We're 23 days away from the Pinstripe Bowl uh, between Miami and Rutgers. We found out Sunday the Hurricanes will be going to New York to play in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. My first year with the Athletic, I covered the Pinstripe Bowl, which was Mark Rick's last game uh, out there and uh, sat in the cold as the Hurricanes basically got their asses kicked by Wisconsin. It's been a while since Miami's won uh, a bowl game. It was the actually 2016 game, right? Uh, I think with uh, Brad West Kaya, Virginia. West Virginia. That was their last victory. They haven't won since then. Um, but there's a lot going on right now, Carlos. Uh, the college football uh, transfer portal officially opened up for business yesterday, Monday, December 4th. There's been over 1,100 people, uh, players that have entered uh, on three, uh, as we're recording this right now, around 3 p.m. here, Tuesday, December 5th. Um, on three reporting that Jaleel Skinner, uh, the tight end from Miami, who really fell out of the rotation, wasn't really utilized at all. He has become the seventh player to enter the transfer portal from Miami. And Carlos, I, I mean, I've got a, a shitload of notes here of stuff that's just been going on, different topics. We're going to do a mailbag. But I want to start with uh, your thoughts on what happened to Florida State, because that's been the big topic everybody in, in college football has been talking about. <laughs> The Seminoles, my Seminoles, as some people uh, refer to them. Uh, Manny, finished... listen, let's let's first start off with the way this uh, I found out about this. You, um, <laughs> I wasn't watching the selection show. You yes. called me, just in 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 just a huff. You just could not even speak. You were so you know, distraught at the yes. news of Florida State had been. You were like, <laughs> I can't. I'm like, leave. Hey, didn't make it. And I was like, man, calm down. It's all right. It'll be okay. Listen, you know. 
you'll get to ride with Chiefs Popsiola next year. Don't worry, you know. Just, <laughs> you get you get Georgia at least. You could prove you're better than SEC team, oh. and the formerly number one ranked team in the country. You finish undefeated, and you make a case as as an independent champion. You don't go out like that. Perk up, have some beer, be okay. And uh, you got drunk for like 48 hours straight, and now you're you're back, which I appreciate. Right. Um. Right. Thank you for doing that. I like you worked through it. You worked through it, and, and as a brave soul, you're here. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. I, I was just gonna say. I mean, look, I, I wanted to get your reaction because I, I think you know there's a lot of Miami fans who were happy to see uh, Florida State get snubbed, right? You see your right your your rival, especially a lot of them citing how in 2000, right, when Miami beat Florida State head to head. Uh, and lost to Washington, they finished, uh, I think it was 11-1 that season, but they were held out of the national championship game. Florida State, who was also 11-1, ended up uh, getting a chance to play, uh, was it, I'm trying to remember, who did they play? Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I'm sorry, I can't remember. I'm I'm confusing my Midwest schools. And Florida State didn't even have their starting quarterback in that game, am I correct? They had the Red Rooster playing quarterback for him. What was his name? Uh... Right, they had an in, and the final score was like 13-2 to because uh, they couldn't do anything offensively. but, you know, there are a lot of Miami fans that are sort of enjoying Florida State's misery right now. The fact that they got held out of the playoff, even though they went 13-0, and which is they became the first Power 5 team to go 13-0 and in the modern playoff era since 2014. Since we went to four teams to, to basically get shafted. And look, it's nothing that I necessarily feel uh, for the Seminoles. Uh, you know, I, I said this on Twitter to somebody. I've never rooted a day in my life for Florida State. I mean, I've worn their hat to uh, here on the show. You haven't rooted a day in your life. You rooted every day of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't rooted a day of my life for Florida State. But I heard for those kids. I was in Charlotte. I covered the ACC championship game. I was there Saturday night. Those guys were convinced they were getting in the college football playoff. And then, lo and behold, um, 13 people in Grapevine, Texas, decide, you know what? We're going to accept uh, the SEC champion and the Big 12 champion instead, who both lost one game, and we're going to leave Florida State in the Orange Bowl. And while I understand Florida State lost their starting quarterback, Carlos, um, this was unjust. This was this was just, to me, in my mind, uh, we're, you know ESPN and, and 13 people in the room worrying about TV ratings instead of what's right, and Florida State should have been in the playoff. Yeah. Um, listen, and I understand Canes fans that want to go ahead and do this whole thing. This is payback for 23 years ago when we got left out of the national championship game. Suck it now, Florida State. And I mean, that's cool. I mean, I understand your point of view. I get that's that's how you feel, and, you know, I have nothing against that. Me, personally, that doesn't do anything for me because it doesn't get the Canes. Those 2,000 Canes still don't get to play Oklahoma for the national championship. So it does nothing for me. I don't get any sort of satisfaction seeing Florida state get screwed over uh, because my team still sucks. My team is still seven and five, right? My team is still average. <laughs> right. So Mario's that still trying to get it right. Right. So that doesn't bring me any joy. I only get joy when my team wins and my team is good. I don't care what opposing teams do on a, on the contrary, you know, here's a hot take. I'd rather the rivals do well. So when we play them and beat them, it looks better for us. We look like a better team. I'd right. prefer Florida State to be undefeated and be at the top of the game and then have Miami go in there and beat them, whether it be at home on the road, because that's what the rivalry's about. Now, I, I wouldn't mind if the Gators lost every single game of the year, but that's different. They're, they're not a rival. They're just a bunch of dicks. Um, but <laughs> to me, it's, it's really, like you were saying, disheartening for those kids. You, you, you go through all these workouts – in the summer, you, you start in the spring and you start installing in the spring. You start working out in the spring. 
you put this team together, you go through summer workouts, you go through fall camp, you go through the gauntlet of a season, which we've seen personally as college football fans and as Hurricanes fans, that winning in Power 5 is not easy, right? It was real easy before the Power 5 schedule got started for the Hurricanes. They beat an SEC team in A&M who's an average SEC team, right? But once that Power 5 schedule, that conference schedule got started, things got tougher, and they, they finished sub-500. For Florida State to go undefeated through everything they had to go through, right, throughout the course of the season, including losing their starting quarterback for the last couple of games of the season in and the conference championship game and a game against their second biggest rival, because I refuse to believe that Florida is their number one rival. That doesn't happen. It's the Hurricanes. And if your second biggest rival and they survived it all and still finished undefeated, it's it's a sham, man. And then what's going to happen if they go into the Orange Bowl and everybody decides to play and they beat the shit out of Georgia and they finished undefeated? And then a one-loss Alabama team wins the national championship. Where, where does that leave the committee? How can they respond to that? Well, here's the thing, Carlos. I, I think – and there's a couple of things I wanted to mention. Number one, let me, before I get to my bigger point here on, on Florida State and what it means for Miami, the ACC in general, because it, if you're a Miami fan celebrating this, I'm telling you, you shouldn't be for a lot of reasons. But before I get to that, I thought Dan Mullen, the former Gators coach, was on. he was on at night on uh, ESPN's Championship Drive program. And he made some excellent points. He compared what happened to Florida State to figure skating, right? Where, okay, for many years, Christy Yamaguchi, whoever it is, whatever the great figure skaters of, of, of our listen, of our listen, generations Manny, have do, been. Do not do not pull out your figure skating knowledge because that could lead to another backlash in the comments. But that's fine. I'm not right. going to well, they... tell everybody that you were a Nancy Kerrigan fan back in the day. It's okay. <laughs> listen, listen. He made a great sort of reference to this. How many times did you hear going into the Olympics, there was some great figure skater, right? And then the figure skater took to the ice, and she fell twice, and she didn't win the gold. What essentially what ESPN has done here and the, and the college football playoff committee, and I blame ESPN because this is their baby. This is part of their TV rights. Um, they basically went with ratings because they didn't want to see TCU versus Georgia again. They didn't want to see 65 to 7. They have a product to protect, right? And so all week – or, or, or not all week, really, for weeks, multiple weeks, before Florida State even lost Jordan Travis. They were painting the story of you can't leave the SEC champion out. You can't leave the SEC champion out. And I get it. They just paid over $700 million to get SEC broadcast rights. They paid a lot of money to get the SEC on the network. But that gives you no excuse to create this narrative that basically makes the rest of the country believe that the, the ACC is inferior to the SEC. Look, there's no questioning the fact the SEC has been the best conference in college football for two decades now. No question. They've won all the championships. They've had the best teams for the most part. But this year, the ACC was 6-4 and head-to-head -head against the SEC. Uh, Alabama struggled at USF. They needed a miracle to beat 6-6 six and six Auburn. But all the conversation is about who FSU has injured and the fact that they struggled with their third-string quarterback. Well, guess what? Uh, Jalen Milrow in Alabama struggled uh, with uh, their starting unit with all of their guys at 6-6 six and six Auburn. But you're going to criticize FSU's offense? So to me, the, the, the bigger overarching comment that I have is if you're a Miami fan or if you're a fan of any team in the ACC or even the Big 12, and I know, yes, the Big 12 got in, Texas got in, but Texas is an SEC team next year. Right. And by the way, Washington is going into the Big 10 next year. College football has been trending towards a power two for a long time now, Carlos. Yep. And the TV has, uh, companies have basically taken over, right? 
They want to see their teams get into the conference championships. Everybody who gets on TV and talks about it says the SEC and the Big Ten are the two best. Uh, it has influence. And Florida State, an unbeaten team, got left out of the playoff. What do you think is going to happen when Mario Cristobal gets his act together? Oh, oh it's going to be a 12-team playoff. Everybody gets it. No. No, because you know what, Carlos? I, I just did a video for The Athletic where we looked at the 12-team playoff with this year's teams. You know how many SEC and Big Ten teams got in there? Ten. Yeah, ten. Uh, there was one ACC team, no Big 12 teams, and one G5 team. They are controlling the narrative. They are talking about, oh, but what about strength of schedule? What about strength of rec? Who comes up with all those al analytics? TSPN. Right? Everybody cites ESPN strength of record numbers and ESPN strength of schedule numbers. Uh, so if you're Miami, you go 11. Let's say Miami goes 11 and 1 next year, Carlos, which is what I think they can do. Okay. The, I don't even know who their quarterback is. I'm just saying with the core nucleus of their team, the young players, what they're building towards, what the ACC looks like. Let's say Miami goes 11 and 1 next year and there's three SEC teams. And three Big Ten teams that go 10-2. and two. And Miami's fighting for one of those 12 spots. Are you convinced Miami's getting into the playoff? No. 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 And that's because a problem. That's a problem. Is. And it creates a problem on the recruiting trail. It creates a lot of problems everywhere. Because now, what, what, what are the SEC and Big Ten schools going to turn around and do? You want to get in the playoff, you better come to one of our programs. Right. And they control everything. Whether it's the ratings, whether it's the ad dollars, whether it's the networks. At this point, the SEC and the Big Ten are college football, if you look at it that way. The major college football. They are playing in a league of their own when it comes to um, financial backing, when it comes to TV deals, when it comes to representation in front of the networks and in the playoffs. And it's not going to change anytime soon. And for Miami to be able to get into a playoff next year, they'd have to go to 12-0. and And even if they were 12-0, and if they had a couple imperfect wins, maybe the committee goes, you know what? This 10-2 uh, and Texas team, they beat a couple SEC teams on the road. They lost close to these other teams. Their strength of schedule is better than Miami's. They should get in over the, the undefeated team. That's the way we feel. What if we had this sort of thinking back when the Hurricanes in 2001 won the national championship and are considered the greatest uh, football team of all time by many. Oh, they only escaped by a hair against Boston College. They don't deserve to be in the top four. I right. Mean, it's it's just, and it's I think Dan Mullen's... It's become subjective. It's become subjective. Right. And I versus, was going to say that. Yeah. And that was Dan Mullen's greatest point to me, was we are doing this subjectively when it should be objective. And you play the games and and see what the result is. Because there's been plenty of times where you line up on a college football field and all you got to do is win one game. You may play the game 100 times, and the result might be the same 99 times, but that one time, that one time is the one you might get, and that's the result that changes everything. And you have to play the games to get the result. It's not played on paper. It's not played by strength of schedule. It's not played by data or metrics. It's played on the field because there are things you cannot measure on the field and within the players and within the, each team that come out during these games, and things happen. Guys freeze up, guys elevate, things occur. And the greatest moments in sports that we look back to are those underdog stories. It's not the favorite going in there and mauling everybody that we like to see. We like to see the miracle on ice, right? We like to see that NC State team win on that last second tap, right? We want to see those Cinderella moments because those are the moments that everyone can relate to. 
Because not everybody's a behemoth. Yep. Not everyone is a dragon slayer. Everyone can relate to the little guy. The the little what was his name? Little Mac from Mike little Tyson. Little Mac from Mike Tyson, yeah. Little Mac making his way down the down the line, bro. Across the world, working that world circuit to get all the way to Mike Tyson. And I never beat Mike Tyson. I'm really pissed off about that. I, I wow. my entire life, I never, I don't think I even got to Mike Tyson. I got to like the one before him. You didn't know the code to get to Mike Tyson, the the, the, the cheat code? I did, but I refused to use it. See, that's that's what happens with integrity. Wow. That's how, uh, that's how much so actually, pride I, you had I, in it. I used it one time to get to Mike Tyson. I got my ass kicked so quickly. That I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not using this code again. It's over. I'm done. I'm done. This is not for me. Anyway. But yeah, it's it's all about allowing these teams and these players to settle it on the field, but settle it in a way that works for everyone. And you would think that like the NFL, college football will understand that the more parity you have, the more teams you have involved that have a chance at the end of the season, the higher the ratings, the more wide the actual fan and audience base is, as opposed to segmenting it to two conferences. Yeah. Where now you're just concentrating all your fans and audience on that and everybody else loses interest because they don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Well, and, and look, how do you you think about like I think about college football when we were growing up as kids, Carlos. And by the way, 007-373-5963. That's the Mike Tyson punch out code. If you I'm want actually, to fight Tyson. I'm actually going to run that back because I have that mini uh, NES with the 40 games in it. Do it. And t- punch out is in there. I'm doing it. You got to You got to beat Tyson. Um, but my, my point is, think about how you defeat an opponent. Right. Like before when we were growing up as kids, you had Oklahoma and the big eight or the big. Big 12, right? When at first you were like, oh, Oklahoma and Texas, those are the teams out there. Nebraska, before they moved to the Big yeah. Ten, uh, you had Michigan and you had your Ohio State. You had your Pac-12 teams with USC and UCLA and, you know, Oregon, Washington, you know, the Big East with Miami and Syracuse and, and you know, Virginia Tech. And and then you had your SEC. And back then, when we were growing up and we watched college football, I was like, man, who's who's the best team this year, right? And everybody was given an equal chance. Then came the BCS system, and they said, well, we're going to throw in a bunch of numbers. Um, and then something happened where everybody just got greedy in the early 2000s, right? And Miami's like, well, we're leaving for the ACC. It's going to help basketball. And then you started to have realignment little by little. But what happened was... Uh, in the midst of all that greed, Carlos, where everybody's like, I got to bring in more money, right? It's all about the TV dollars. Um, there were two people, two two groups that ultimately saw the bigger picture. It was the SEC and the Big Ten. And and they were like, well, how do you, how do you get rid of having to play Oklahoma in the playoff? How do you get rid of having to play USC in the playoff? Bring them over to the conference. <laughs> right? They don't have that automatic pathway. Now they got to beat us on the field to get into the playoff. And so um it it's it it's sad. I'm re- I was really sad. I was upset by what happened on Sunday. I don't know how who else was. I don't know how many of our listeners cared that much. I know so many of them are Miami fans that they were happy and joyous, but I was hurt. Like I I I feel a sadness inside for what happened. And it's not because I give a damn about Florida State. It's because I care about college football and I care yeah. about the way the game is played. And I think it's terrible that it's become what it's become. And, you know, we speaking about how it was when we were growing up and thinking back on it, this could have easily happened to the 83 Canes if this was the situation, the yeah. way things were decided back then. This could have easily happened to the team that set it all in motion for this university and the dynasty that happened after that might not have occurred. Uh, if this was a situation, how you pick teams to play in a playoff and play for a national championship. But I think uh, you, you're right. I feel we've known for a long time that the college football that we loved growing up and the way it was played and, and the, the the feeling behind it has been dead for a long time. We just really haven't really admitted it to ourselves. Yeah. This right here is the official death knell. 
of college football. This is it. This this is if there's any doubt that networks now control college football and the content that's being forced down your throat, um, and it's only what they want to put in front of you, not what you want necessarily. This is your sign here. This is it. Yeah. There is no more, you know, trying to turn the blind eye to oh well maybe next year you'll get it right. There was an argument for it. This year they just straight up told you we don't give a shit. We don't care what you want. Yeah. We're gonna put in the teams that we want to see, and we don't care what happens to you. And the the one. The person that I feel worst, the worst for, the one that my heart breaks for, and again, like you, I am no Florida State fan. I do not like the Seminoles. I respect them, which is, you know, a lot of different for a lot of games, but I respect them at the very least because they decide to play the Hurricanes every year. Um, I do not like them. I love having them as a rival. I love going back and forth with Florida State fans. I will never cheer for Florida State, even when we play Florida. What I usually play, pray for in that game is lightning to just delay the game and end it in a 0-0 <laughs> tie. Um, but I feel for Jordan Travis because that guy busted his ass for that university for three years, got them to the point, went through the struggles, went through all those hard times, came out the other end, finally got a chance, was there undefeated, leading his team to a potential national championship. And this injury happens to him. And then he feels like it's his fault for getting injured. Yep. That his team doesn't get to play for the national championship. And that, to me, putting that on a kid, putting that on a student athlete. And some of you may say, oh, he's a 20-something-year-old man. He's not a kid. Dude, when you were 21, 22 years old, tell me you were a grown man. You were a punk-ass kid. Trust me. Yep. I remember yep. when I was 21, 22. I look back at that now, and I cringe at the ideas and the thoughts and the things I did. Yep. So this is sad to put that on a kid, man, to put this on this guy who has busted his ass for that university, for his team. Like, you would want players on our team to bust their ass. Like, Emery Williams went out there and busted his ass. You want that from guys. You desire it from them. You tell them all the time as coaches, as fans, you want them to give your all. You want them to hear that Al Pacino speech in their head from any given Sunday. It's all about that last inch, and you got to be willing to die for that inch. It's a guy that's willing to die for it that's going to end up winning the fight. And when he finally does, and he gives his body up for his team, his team is penalized for it. And that yeah. to me is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I, I look. I know Miami fans. If they haven't tuned out already because they're tired of us talking about Florida State, uh, we'll move on to a new subject here in a second. But you're 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 right. And I and I think I want Miami fans just to look at it from the bigger picture perspective of what this means for the ACC and what this could mean for them moving forward as college football evolves. I mentioned earlier, you know, NCAA President Charlie Baker on Tuesday proposing the creation of a new subdivision. Uh, in Division One, that would allow the highest resource schools the ability to compensate athletes directly through a trust fund, direct uh, name, image, and likeness payments. Uh, again, we talk about the power too. We talk about college football maybe becoming the AFC and NFC. Didn't here's I tell the, you about? Here's the, the idea of, of using a trust to pay college football players, like a year ago. Yeah. We started talking and, about. And by now? the way, who has who has all the money now in college football? Who are the two conferences with all the money? Yeah, the SEC and the Big Ten. Or the big, whatever the hell they call themselves. So again, I know Miami fans. We're in our own. We're in our own world over here, Carlos, because we only worry about hey. But college football landscape is changing, and you should be scared. You should be nervous because you're not in one of those two conferences. It's and I'll give stuff. you a legal analogy when it comes to this whole Florida State shit. You might look at someone getting arrested for a a crime that you think is bullshit, or a law that you think that comes out that's like stupid. That's never gonna. Never going to affect you, but it's something you don't like and you're happy they get arrested. Guess what? That law can apply to you, too. Yep. And the day you fuck up and the day you do something stupid and you told that line and they could apply that law to you. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to apply it to you, too. So it's the same yep. thing. 
what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And now that I've used a reference that's 197 years old, we can continue. <laughs> All right. Seven Hurricanes have entered the portal. I mentioned Skinner, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, running back Don Chaney Jr., Frank Ladson, Corey Flagg Jr., Jafari Harvey, Chance Williams, seven Hurricanes in the portal as we are recording this episode here at 3.32 p.m. There will be more. Mario Cristobal did a press conference uh, for the pinstri Pinstripe Bowl today. He said Jakari Brown uh, is going to be ready for the bowl game. They're, he said his teammates are behind him. They expect him to play well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who actually plays in the bowl game. James Williams today at formally announced he's entering uh, the NFL draft early. Leonard Taylor announced uh, yesterday he's entering the NFL draft early. Uh, we have yet to hear from Cam Kitchens. We have yet to hear from Matt Lee. Um, you know, Miami has some other players. Kiko Mauinoa, the linebacker, who, whose brother is obviously the starting right tackle. Uh, Francis Mauinoa. Um, you know, we'll hear we'll hear whether or not he decides to leave early the linebacker, which would be bad for Miami. Uh, no word yet from Jared Harrison Hunt. So. The roster's in transition, Carlos. Meanwhile, Miami, you know, last week uh, flips a uh, five-star defensive tackle, Justin Scott. I had Frank Tucker from the Rivals web website from Canesport come on to talk to me about that, to talk recruiting. So if you missed that episode, make sure you go back and check that out. It's it's only on YouTube. If you're, if you're tuning in and watching us on YouTube, it's easy for you to find. But if you're listening to us on the audio version of the podcast, wherever you download it, um, I would suggest going to the YouTube page to watch it. A lot of great info. Uh, there from Frank. Uh, tomorrow, Carlos, I will be leaving my house and driving up to Tallahassee, not to be there for the Seminole Rally, as, as some of you <laughs> may suspect. Um, um, I'm going up there because Jeremiah Smith, the number one recruit in the 2024 cycle uh, and Ohio State commitment at the moment, is playing his final high school game Thursday at 10 a.m. in the state championship. Uh, there are several other South Florida teams uh, that are going to be playing up there. I'm going for two days. I will be up there in Tallahassee Thursday and Friday to watch uh, Miami Columbus playing a state championship game against Jacksonville Mandarin. They play Friday at 3, 3, 3 p.m. Uh, Mario Cristobal's old school. Uh, Mandarin's got a lot of elite recruits in the 2025 cycle, so I'm going to be doing some recruiting work there. Um, but in the meantime, you know, Miami is working the transfer portal. They are bringing in guys on visits. They are looking at the quarterback position. I know you did some research on quarterbacks. I wanted to go down um, – the list here of and I and I did all this research earlier today on all the quarter the big name quarterbacks who were in the transfer portal. Dylan Gabriel, who was at UCF and Oklahoma, he's got 49 career starts, played 3,600 snaps. He's the most experienced quarterback there is uh, available. Uh, we will see if my if Miami kicks the tires on him or not. I don't think they I don't think they have yet. Cam Ward from Washington State, I know they have. He's got 44 career starts, 3,100 snaps uh, played. Will Rogers from Mississippi State, I mentioned him a week ago. It looks like he might be going to Washington. He's got 40 career starts, uh, 2,900 snaps. DJ Uyunglele, the former starter at Clemson, um, you know who's who played uh, last season at Oregon State, 42 career stats uh, starts, uh, 2,600 snaps. Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina, 40 starts, 2,400 snaps. I mean, there's a lot of guys on here. Uh, Will Howard from Kansas State is is a name that I know the guys from 247 Sports who are much more plugged in, by the way, on the day-to-day -day basis than I am with talking to coaches. Up. I, I, I'm doing too many different things now, Carlos. I'm picking a freshman <laughs> All-American team. Uh, I'm driving to Tallahassee to write a recruiting story. Like, there's just – I don't have enough time to sit there and talk to to Miami staffers and find out what the hell they're doing with the portal. Gabby Urrutia, David Lake, the guys over at On3 as well, Matt Schildell, Gary Furman. 
they're the they're, they're the workhorses. My former colleagues at the Herald, all of them are, are are you know trying to dig into this stuff. I find out what I can when I do. Um, but Will Howard from Kansas State is another guy. I know Miami is in on twenty-seven career starts, eighteen hundred snaps. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of big names. Riley Leonard's probably going to Notre Dame. Max Johnson from Texas A&M is going to North Carolina. Um, you know, there's there's guys from like Division two schools that are out there. You looked at the quarterback position. Um, how do you feel about the guys that you've seen, and and who do you like the most for Miami? So listen, I I started to break down this quarterback class of in the transfer pool, and I, I started to create what I call a rubric or what is called a rubric. So what I did was I took all the numbers uh, that I was interested in. So like completion percentage, touchdowns, interceptions, yards, um, different metrics, time to get the ball out, all that kind of stuff that you find on PFF. And then I ranked 12 quarterbacks and I gave them, you know, for each category, I assigned a point value. So the person who had the most yards, let's say, Mm -hmm. got 11 points. So it went from 11 to zero. The person who got the least amount of yards got a zero. So then we totaled the numbers all the way across in terms of who got the highest score. I included Tyler Van Dyke in that analysis because I wanted to compare TVD to the rest of the guys out there in that portal. Yep. Three guys tied for first place. Can you guess who those three guys were? Cam Ward. um, DJ Uyunglele and Will Howard. You got two out of three. All right, who'd I miss? Tyler Van Dyke. Okay. So if we're looking at it objectively from those numbers, you're not upgrading from a numbers perspective. Obviously, Tyler Van Dyke has had the uh, turnover issues this season. He had them last season. He's been streaky. But it's not going to be a major upgrade, which is, I think, something people need to pay attention to in, in, in this whole process. You're not going to go from TVD to a guy that's going to throw over 50 or 60 touchdowns, Right. You, you, those guys that throw for 50 or 60 touchdowns, generally, it's not a Joe Burrow situation where you land them and they end up exploding. It's a situation where you recruit those guys, they learn your system, and they become that guy within your system. Um, could it happen? Yeah, of course. Uh, is the quarterback position going to be better next year through the portal? It it could be, but I think more than targeting a guy to me specifically, I, I hate falling in love with names. So to me, you know, there's people that are in the Cam Ward camp, there's people that are in the Kevin Howard camp. There's people will, I mean, in the Will Howard camp, the Will Rogers camp. There's guys that want Riley Leonard. There's people that want all kinds of guys, right? That, that they're just interested in names and they fall in love with that one guy. And if it isn't that guy that they end up signing, then they end up they end up being pissed off, and the other guy sucks that ended up signing, right? To me, I don't I don't get down with that. To me, what I want is the guy who fits this system the best. So who can fit the system the best? What's the profile that you have to look at? What does this quarterback need to be able to do? Well, first and foremost, we know. Based on what we've saw this season, Shannon Dawson's not a big play action guy. Right. For whatever reason, he's not. He does not use play action a whole lot. So that means the quarterback you have has to be effective and efficient on straight dropbacks. Okay. And that means he has to also be effective and efficient at scanning the field. You saw when Emery Williams was in there, he was a little bit better at scanning the field than Tyler Van Dyke. You could just see from his head and eye movements at what he was doing with his progressions. Now, was he able yeah. to effectively deliver the ball? Not necessarily, not all the time, but when he had enough time to do it, he was okay. Um, so that's what you want to see. Number one, a guy that can do straight drawbacks, that can be effective in that and not need play action necessarily to set himself up for easy throws. 
Two, you know, he throws a lot of quick stuff, but he also likes to push the ball down the field. So you got to see a guy that can be able to push the ball down the field effectively in that 20 plus range. Right. right? He'd be able to connect on it, be accurate and not be a kind of guy that throws the ball away in that area where he's just throwing it up for grabs like Tyler Van Dyke did a few times. Right. You don't want to have a lot of high turnovers there. You want to have a high touchdown to turnover ratio, even more so than you normally do. Right. If you like a two to three to one ratio, if you're doing it 20 plus yards, you want to go to that four to five uh, to one ratio because it should be just one on one with the receiver. Either receiver gets it or nobody else gets it. Um, The next thing you want to see is something that you could not really exploit this year. And it was spoken about uh, in the interview. I forgot who the the journalist was who came out and started talking about how Tyler Van Dyke and Shannon Dawson finally had to sit down at the end of the year where Dawson showed him clips of Molly McGrath. Molly McGrath. Yeah. So she said that Tyler Van Dyke told Shannon Dawson that he didn't like the read option stuff, that there was a lot of stuff in the offense that required him to carry out a run fake or read. Uh, and that was sort of shut off from the offense. Yeah. So if that's part of the offense, you clearly want a guy that can be effective with his legs as well, right? So they could be a threat in that 100%. zone read, right? So now, and, and this is another thing I'm going to clear up for you guys. I've, I've gotten it in the comments all season long whenever I mentioned RPOs. And the whole, the same thing, people laughing, why do you want to run RPOs with a quarterback that can't run? First of all, an RPO is not necessarily a run by the quarterback. RPO stands for run pass option. Not that the quarterback's going to run. It's that he's going to hand the ball off or decide to throw it based on the read he gets. That's an RPO. A zone read or a read option is where the quarterback is reading a specific defender and either decides to hand it to the running back or pull it and take it himself. So you want a guy that could do both. They could do RPO, but also be a threat in the zone read game, in the option game, uh, read option. So those to me are the big things. And then, you know, from the intangibles, you want a guy that's a leader. You want a guy that's positive. You want a guy when the camera pans to him, isn't sitting stoic, looking dead-eyed on the sideline. You want him coming around, you know, slapping his uh, offensive lineman on the back, saying, let's get him next series. We'll be good in the huddle, hyping guys up. That's the kind of guy you want, right? That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, and, and I think the read option part of it, I do think you need a mobile quarterback in today's game. You need somebody who can – and look, it doesn't have to be run for a 1,000 yards like no. Jaden Daniels. It doesn't have to be Thomas Castellanos from Boston College. It's great if it is, uh, if those guys can throw the ball the, the same way. But – I think ultimately what's available to you, you want guys that can make plays with their legs and provide a threat so that the defense can't just sit there and say, well, they're running it now. It's the same running play. We're ready for it. Right. You want to have a little bit of diversity when you run the read option. Now you got to play the quarterback. Is the quarterback going to take off and run with this ball or is he really going to hand it off? So you have to keep the defense guessing. And I think what happened to Miami's offense this year is it got stagnant halfway through. Once they figured out what Tyler struggled with and that they basically had three or four running plays that they ran, uh, it it was easy. It was easy to slow to slow him down. And so a a more uh, diverse uh, quarterback, somebody who can do more things is going to be better for this offense in the long run. But ultimately, the key is protecting the football Carlos I think that is more than anything else the priority number one for this offense and you look how you look at how it helped for Florida State right Jordan Travis threw two interceptions the whole season they had five turnovers the whole season going into the ACC championship game that is efficiency that is even if you don't light up the scoreboard if you're not turning it over you're you're punting the ball away you're making the other team drive the length of the field against your defense it's a it's a much tougher way to score when you got a when you're when you're punting or if you're you know you're kicking off every single time so um yeah and i've used this analogy before too on, on the show it's like 
when you have a team that you're stopping, right, and you're not you're not giving yeah. them extra position possessions, they feel limited and they start feeling constricted and they start like going downhill mentally because they know there's only a certain amount of possessions they're going to get throughout the course of the game. Yeah. If you turn the ball over, number one, you're probably turning the ball over on a side of the field or giving them field position they normally wouldn't have in an open drive after you score, right? Yeah. And number two, you're giving them extra possessions. So it's like that guy that's a streaky shooter who's been off all game, but you keep giving him possessions, eventually he might find his rhythm and start knocking shots down. And that's yep. when you get in trouble. And you saw that with Miami. Sometimes they had teams shut down, but they kept giving them the ball. And all of a sudden now, boom, they pop a couple in the third quarter, and then it changes the whole game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. A couple of other uh, names here that I wanted you guys to know. I mentioned Talia Tungavailoa previously. I think he needs a waiver to play. I mentioned that in the previous podcast. Michael Pratt, who's supposedly considering going to the NFL. Um, you know, if, if he's available, that's somebody to watch. I think Dante Moore, the former five-star quarterback who uh, started five games for UCLA. Uh, you know, Miami recruited him last year. I'm not saying he's the guy. I think they want an experienced guy for this coming season because they still have Emory Williams on the roster. We will see what happens with Chikari Brown. They're signing Judd Anderson. They've got quarterbacks in the 25 class. I don't think this has to be a guy that, uh, I don't know, blows up the quarterback room. It's more like come in, start for one year, let Emory Williams grow, and then Emory Williams hopefully develops into the quarterback of the future here. So I think that's sort of the plan going forward. But there are other needs, defensive line, safety. Again, Cam Kitchens hasn't announced yet that he's going pro, uh, but I think it's inevitable uh, with where he's positioned among the the, uh, draft rankings. Um, These are reported offers. This is from On3247. They've written stories about these guys that are in the portal that Miami has gone after. I'm going to share some of the names. 
Cyrus Allen, wide receiver out of Louisiana Tech. He's played, uh, he's made 18 career starts. Uh, didn't have huge numbers. He's a six foot, 177 pound receiver. I think he's essentially a guy that you bring in because he's experienced that you can plug and play, especially if a guy like Xavier Restrepo leaves or Jacoby George, whoever leaves through the portal. Again, we're in day two of the portal. Who knows who's going to go in? Who knows who's going to get offered a lot of money to go to elsewhere? Notre Dame's looking for receivers. Clemson's looking for people. Uh, I think it's a position that Miami has to protect itself by going out and at least knocking the tires on a guy like Cyrus Allen, who's, again, Louisiana Tech, not a superstar, but an experienced player, a guy who could come in and fit in and help your offense. Uh, offensive lineman Jabari Brooks. He comes from an FCS program, Samford. He started 32 games there. He's in the portal, 2,500 snaps. He's 6'3", 335 pounds. In case Miami loses Matt Lee, which is very, very much a possibility, this is the kind of guy who can come in and play center for you. And you don't have to move Jalen Rivers to center or, or move somebody else um, out of position. Uh, this is the kind of plug-and-play guy for a year, the same way you did it with Javion Cohen and Matt Lee. Uh, that's a guy that I think is sort of a plug-and-play guy. And I think ultimately that's what you want in the transfer portal. You don't want guys that are coming in and, and disrupt the apple cart, right, in terms of be there for too long and, and force freshmen out the door. You want ready-to-play senior-type guys. Agree or disagree, Carlos? Did I lose you, Carlos? You're no, on mute, I, Carlos. I had, yeah, I was on mute. That was the situation. <laughs> there you go. That's probably the best I've sounded the entire show, to be quite honest. <laughs> well, was on me. Um, you, what you want is, like you said, you want grad transfers. You want older guys. Guys are trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to springboard themselves into the NFL. I always like getting those small school guys or guys that are played at lower division one schools, uh, non-power five, group of five schools that have blown up and want to test themselves against the best of the best competition to raise their draft profile. That always helps. Um, you know, I hope they keep Matt Lee. I think that would be a huge get for the Hurricanes to keep him on board. I would love to see them keep Kiko as well. That would help tremendously. And I think, to me, the one thing they should be going after as well, and, you know, I know the guy from Louisiana, I'm always experienced, whatever the case may be, you want one more guy on the outside. Unless they're confident that Jeremiah Smith is going to come, right? right? If you're not chasing a burner to me on the outside, a legit number one or a legit guy that could be a deep threat on the outside, that tells me they're pretty confident when it comes to Jeremiah Smith. So I'm 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 okay with that so far. Um now going back to the quarterback thing, I did screw up. I pulled up the Excel sheet. I couldn't find it before, but here it is. So it was Cam Ward, Jordan McLeod, and TBD who were tied. Okay. Those are the three. Yeah. And McLeod are... is uh from from James Madison, right? Correct. And then the other guys that I I put on that list, this is again over the weekend. So more guys have jumped on the portal and then add to the list. So I'm gonna have to redo this thing. Uh Ungalele, Michael Pratt, Will Rogers, Grayson McCall. Tua's brother, K.J. Jefferson, Fernando Mendoza, just because I wanted to throw him in there, Will Howard, and Riley Leonard. McLeod started 30 games uh, between his time at James Madison. He was at USF, too, by the way, at one point, if I'm not mistaken. 1,900 snaps. Uh, here we go. Another another phone call. It never ends, Carlos. It's like, uh, but you know, what can I tell you? Sorry to interrupt there with the phone call. Um, yeah, the quarterback position is interesting. I want to go over some defensive guys because I had a list here from what from what's been reported and, and things that I've heard from from some of our transfer portal people uh, at the Athletic. Max Olson, who's who's by the way, Max Olson is driving himself crazy. He's doing the transfer portal and he's picking the freshman All American team with me. Whew. So uh, he's going a little nuts. Uh, Marley Cook, Middle Tennessee State, somebody Miami offered. Uh, 6'2", 291 defensive tackle, 1,700 career snaps, 27 starts. Uh, C.J. Clark, uh, nose tackle for NC State, 6'3", 305, 
23 career starts, four, almost 1,500 career snaps. And then they have a young guy here, uh, Xavier McLeod from South Carolina, a guy that Miami recruited last cycle. He ultimately signed with South Carolina, 6'5", 285, redshirted in 2023. Those are some of the D tackles that they're looking at. Obviously, again, Leonard Taylor, uh, Branson Dean. Um, they've, they've lost some guys at that position. So you need a little bit of experience. Those are some of the early names. Again, transfer portals open 30 days. We will, we may be at this a long time, Carlos. And then safety, Xavier, uh, Riley from Vanderbilt. Uh, obviously Miami got Jadias uh, Richard, uh, from Vanderbilt last cycle. Uh, Riley made two starts, played 343 snaps this past season at Vanderbilt. Kai Stokes, Ohio state, six one one ninety five. Uh, played 93 snaps in two seasons. His mom ran track at Miami. He's a another guy who essentially, um, you know, young guy that you could potentially bring in the secondary and develop a little bit. But I, I think they probably need more experience at the safety position just because that's one of those where I want a proven guy. It's just hard to find them sometimes in the portal. Yeah, absolutely. I think defensive tackle and safety are going to be the two biggest needs on defense coming into the season. And if they could address those, those through the portal, they'd be in good shape. Obviously, they lost, you know, arguably their two best defensive players on the back end and James Williams and Cam Kitchens. I would say Cam was when he's right, the best player on defense, James, not so much, probably the most talented, not the one that hit that played the best. Um, and they also lost their best defensive lineman uh, in terms of talent. I would say mm -hmm. uh, aside from Akeem Mesador and Leonard Taylor, so they've got to make that up. And they were undersized to begin with that defensive tackle. So this is something that Mario has been looking to beef up for a while. You can see it with the Justin Scott recruitment as well, trying to get that area addressed and, if they can land a couple experienced safeties, guys that could come in for a year and be that bridge to that next generation of recruits that's coming in behind them, then they'd be in good shape and still be able to make a run. Because the idea is not just for Mario to build a bridge so these these guys that are young that are coming up can have the time to develop, but right. it's to build a bridge while they're winning because right. they need to win to be able to draw those guys in and continue to create the talent pool and, and, and availability of talent on this roster that is primed for success long-term and primed for success at the elite level. So Mario has gone from the fixing stage at the beginning where he came in and everything needed to be repaired to right. now laying the foundation and now erecting his, his building. He's got to get to the point where he's starting to build this thing and build momentum. And it's got to go from five and seven and seven and five to like now nine and 10 wins. Minimum. Can't be flaccid anymore. Got to erect. You got to be erect, bro. He's got to he's got to drop the blue diamond and uh do what he's got to do, you know what I'm saying? Put in work. Hammer time. Uh let's get to the mailbag uh cuz I got I, I got things to do, you got things to do and and I and I asked for this kind of stuff and and we need to make sure we get to it. Jason Jhud 111 on Twitter, one of our loyal listeners says Portal could be Portal could be Portal could be names you like, names you hear, etc. Well, I I mentioned it. Uh, all the reports you're hearing from the 247 and on three guys and from the athletic, our national reporters, uh, you know, I think Cam, I think Cam Ward probably is target number one, right? Probably has to be, uh, you know, I mentioned 44 career starts. Uh, if you can get him, man, that's, that really diversifies your offense just because he's, he's a dual threat. He's 6'3", 215. He's kind of a big dude. Um, I think he's probably number one. And then, you know, maybe Will Rogers is number two. And then after that, it's like, you know, whatever you can get. And, and, and I'll say this, I said this on the big O show earlier today. Um, we still don't know who else might jump in the portal, Carlos. It's day two. Like there's exactly. like there's guys who may just say, like Kyle McCord for Ohio State, right? Like who saw that happening? That he would jump in even before the bowl game, before any competition got in the door. Um, I think I think there's some there's some arm. There's I I I did this list again. I I, I did all the research. There are one, two, three, 
Four. Four former five-star quarterbacks. The other ones are Brock Vandegrift from Georgia, Dante Moore, who we already mentioned, um, DJ Uyunglele, and Kyle McCord. F- four former uh, five-star quarterbacks coming out of high school and a bunch of four-stars. So, uh, But Ward, you know, an unranked player. You have some three-stars. Dylan Gabriel was a three-star. Will Rogers was a three-star. Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina was a two-star. Um, you know, not everybody. Jordan McLeod was a three-star. Uh, Will Howard was a three-star. So, again, it's just – I'm just sharing the information. So you have it, okay? Um, all right, let's go to the next question here. This is from C.E. Bauer Jr., Kane underscore Biz 3. Lee and Kiko, do we keep them? Besides elite transfers at quarterback, this is the top of the board for us. Any inside scoop on flipping any defensive tackles? Thanks, Manny. Say hello to Raul for me. Well, C.E., um, I, I like the NC State D-tackle who I mentioned a little while ago. I think that's the kind of guy. He's big-bodied. Uh, Mario really didn't get a big big-bodied D-tackle last cycle to replace Daryl Jackson, and I think a big body is what I want. Yeah, I like that kid from Middle Tennessee. That's that's a kid that I like. A defensive Productive. Tackle. Yeah. Productive. And then as far as Lee and Kiko, I think, you know, that's why you, why you have NIL. You discuss money, and you see how close, you know, to whatever it is they're being projected, whether it's day three guys early, day three guys late, uh, whatever it is they're being projected as, you probably have to match that money to keep them. Um. This is from Al Gauthier, 508 Kane fan. With current 2024 class done, how does getting the right QB transfer help to swing the borderline commits or flips? Is this year's portal numbers or the amount of quality QBs in the portal exceed your expectations? No, I think this is becoming more and more a professional sport, uh, Al. I think I what I want to see college football do, I, I know today the NCAA president came out and said, you know, um, creating this new subdivision where, you got to pay these guys and, and and it's basically pay for play type of deal. Um, I, I want this to get to the point where everything is transparent. The college football playoff process is transparent. Uh, the deals that these guys sign is transparent. I want to know how much they're making, right? You want to know how much the quarterback is being paid. And I want there to be contracts. It should be, Hey, we signed this quarterback for a one year deal, you know, or a two year deal, whatever it is. I think, you know, these are public universities um most of them are some of them are private uh they got to put the teachers and 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 you know the, the public ones have to put all that information out there if once you become an employee and you reach that state make it public let let us know right why hide why all this secrecy it's not an amateur sport anymore clearly it's not an amateur sport i, I don't think they're ever gonna go that route well, you're the lawyer you would tell me no but <laughs> well I'm, I'm gonna tell you no for for these reasons number one um they don't want to make these guys employees that's not their for goal. For tax reasons, right. For, for tax reasons only that, but for cost reasons. If you bring these people yeah. on as employees, these these athletes, that means they have to be part of your retirement system. They have to be part of your health insurance system. They have to participate in everything that's allowed or, or given to uh, the employees of the university from a fringe benefit standpoint. And that can raise costs significantly because when you're talking about healthcare specifically, you, the 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 risk pool is what determines how much you pay in health insurance, right? And right. what is risk pool? That means the group of people that you have within your organization, the healthier they are, the less you pay for insurance. The less healthy they are, the more everybody pays for insurance. It's like right. a guy that gets into a lot of car accidents is going to pay more for car insurance than someone who's been a safe driver for 30 years, right? right. Those rates mm-hmm. are different. When you have a collision sport where these athletes are constantly getting injured, and even if it's not a catastrophic injury, they're still going to doctors getting MRI getting cat's hands, getting CT scans, all these things cost insurance companies money because they have to pay those 
those payments to the to the hospitals and to the doctors. That raises the university's cost up significantly when it comes to renewing benefits and offering it to their employees. Retirement system benefits as well, all that kind of stuff. From a tax perspective, then, of course, they have to start remitting Social Security and Medicare payments on their behalf, which is the employer uh, side of the payments. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it, a lot of risk. They can be sued by these athletes because if they are an employee of the university, then they have to adhere to equal employment opportunity commission laws, right, and regulations. So they have to make sure that they treat them properly as it relates to labor law. So if an employee or an athlete in this case feels like they've been discriminated against, if they've been retaliated against, if they've experienced harassment in some way, can you imagine that? Do you think they might not experience some harassment from a coach during summer or spring workouts? Do you think they might not be able to file a claim with the EEOC and get a settlement? (laughs) This is the kind of can of worms that you open up when you start making these guys employees. When they're contractors, it doesn't make a difference. Or when some third party is paying them, you know, as a contractor for their name, image, and likeness, you're hands off. You don't give a shit. It's not your problem. They're going to get sued, not you. Mm -hmm. Well, you've talked me out of it, Carlos. I no longer believe what I said a little while ago. Uh, It sounds way too complicated. Look, I'm just trying to, just to do this ESPN Plus stuff to become a broadcaster for ESPN Plus. I'm having to fill out all this paperwork, do all these background checks for FIU, uh, to do some other basketball games this year, and I'm like going crazy. I'm like, why? Why am I doing all this stuff? It's so complicated, all the paperwork. But I guess that's what happens when you become a, a an employee, quote unquote, employee of the state. Yeah, there you go. And uh, you, look at you getting big time doing ESPN Plus and all kinds. Well, of stuff. listen, we listen. Uh, it's it's FIU basketball. Okay, let's let's see what happens. Let's see what goes on. Listen, um, I'm still I'm still sitting in my living room uh, playing that same little Nintendo with 40 games on it, uh, playing 10 yard fight, calling the game as if I'm uh, a broadcaster. <laughs> Jason Maxwell got a pang from uh, Twitter says, let's say we get a premier QB in the portal. Doesn't success come in the second year or later? Uh, Penix, Travis, Ewers, Knicks, expectations could be dashed next season. Um, I don't necessarily think so. Didn't Caleb Williams do really well in his first year at USC and almost lead him to the playoff? Um, yeah. There's there's uh, year one success stories. Jack Plummer led Louisville to a 10-3 and record, got him the ACC championship game in his first year. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. Um, I think it all it all depends upon – there's a lot of things that, that go into it, right? And especially when you're talking about a quarterback. Number one, does he have the supporting cast around him to be successful and be great? Right. Right? So does he have the, the skill position players at receiver, running back? Does he have the offensive line? Does he have all those things in place where they can be an explosive and successful offense? If the right. answer is yes – the quarterback, then the skill level of the quarterback doesn't have to be as high because you've got other guys on the outside and up front that are going to do a lot of the work for him. So that's right. one. All he's got to do is be a good decision maker and not turn the ball over. Number Green, two. Go ahead. Don't keep, keep keep going. Number two, does he fit the system? Does he understand the system? Is it something he's run before so he's familiar with? So let's say, is this a guy coming from an air raid system or a system similar to what Shannon Dawson's run in the past? to where he can come in, plug and play, understand it right away. Even if it's not identical to what he's run in the past, he understands the concepts and it's easier for him to jump in and figure things out. Where it becomes a bit of a delay is if you're bringing someone in from, let's say, you know, a run and shoot system to now a pro style system or even an air raid system, which is close to a run and shoot, but a little bit different. And they have to relearn concepts, terminology and read progressions and how things work in terms of, you know, the scheme. So that's where the delay happens. That's why it takes a year sometimes for guys to transition and really make an explosive uh, you know, jump in terms of their production. But if they've been in that kind of a system in the past, or if they're just a guy who's innately got football high football IQ and can pick it up, mm-hmm. you'll see them be very successful. I thought D'Ari King was very successful his first year. Yeah, he was. 
uh, uh, 56 blacks against Steven Thunder, Bugat 78, KC Chief, and uh, Nick Green, big underscore juice 52, all asking about who the best quarterback fit is. I'm going to just throw names at you, okay? Uh, Ward, uh, Cam Ward, uh, Dante Moore, Will Rogers. Uh, these are all names that were that were mentioned here. Um, Dylan Gabriel. Um, I mean, some of these takes are if we don't land any of these quarterbacks, we might as well say next season is six and six. Uh, so and then Casey Chief brings up: Would bringing in a guy with one year left of eligibility could be worth it? If so, whom would be the top three for Miami? I, Carlos, again, who is your best fit of all, of those names that I read to you? Who do you like the most? Who's really number one? Bro, I don't know. To be honest, I don't have an. I, I think old it's guy Cam that... Ward. My, I my think opinion. I would take Michael Pratt. Okay. And then and then Cam Ward, and then I would look at either Jordan McLeod or Ungalele. Ui Ungalele. Um, that guy. Yeah. Columbus Kane. Uh, will Miami move on from some of the lesser-rated 24 recruits committed in order to make room for Wales or Portal guys? This is from Kane, uh, Columbus97 on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's inevitable, right? Scholarship movement has to take place. I would assume there's going to be more guys leaving after they graduate. Uh, here in December, and and or or maybe, um, just finishing in the spring, right? So those scholarships will open up ultimately in the fall. I'm not worried. Listen, the fact the NCAA rules changed, right? Where they went to, you can, so you just got to make sure you're by 85. It's no longer like 25 every year and all that other crap. Do not worry about it. Mario will figure it out. And if he's got to drop drop lesser recruits, guys that just aren't considered, he will. I mean, it's it is what it is. Roster management is it, it's not what or, it was. Before. Or some guys show up for spring practice and they happen to find a little stick, the hobo stick with a little picnic basket at the end with all their shit inside of it, <laughs> and a little note saying thanks, thanks for playing. Thanks, but no thanks. Hit the road. Don't let the door hit you with a good lord split you. And then you know, you know what's up. He's got to do what he's got to do. This is from Andrew V underscore seventeen. Do you think it's realistic Miami can flip Cedric Bailey from NC State and Lamb Cam Ward in the transfer portal? Is it realistic? Sure. Yeah. Why not? I mean, listen, uh, Cedric Bailey, all of his buddies from the Miami Gardens Ravens, and again, I, I'm going to uh, tease to to go listen to the Friday podcast uh, that I did with Frank Tucker. Frank knows these Miami Gardens Ravens guys. Like, basically, they're his homeboys, okay? Like, he 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 saw them growing up. He knows all of them really, really well. Which Bailey is why, played, by the way, I gave I gave you a hall pass, okay? Right. You know what a hall pass is? You allowed me to, to, to host a show with somebody so, else? So yeah, the hall pass is like, and, right. and it's a whole thing in your marriage where, like, you could have one hall pass and your wife right. or your husband allows you to go with whoever you want. Right. Uh, you know, Frank, Frank is that the, guy for me? Frank Frank is that guy. Okay. Um, M- mine is Selma Hayek. All right. Well, you, you, I think you got the better end of the deal there. Um, Cedric Bailey, NC State, can they flip him? Yes, I think it's very possible. I think it just depends on Bailey and, and whether or not he wants to come here and, and whether or not he thinks it's just because of Jeremiah Smith. I think Miami's made a concerted effort to get Smith, and I don't know that Bailey's necessarily connected with it. But again, we'll see. Um, this is from Sam Knowlton. If the draft-eligible defenders are all leaving, why are we just a QB away? Shouldn't the defense theoretically be worse next year? even with a new QB. Yes, Sam. I, I would say if Miami loses Kiko Marinoa, the, their starting linebacker, I would be very concerned. I think that would be a huge blow. But as far as Leonard Taylor, Branson Dean, Cam Kitchens, James Williams, um, I, you know, those are significant, yes. But Lance Gidry came in here not knowing Jim from Bob and got a defense that was pretty mediocre to be really, really good. And I think scheme probably has a lot to do with it. I'll say this. Cam Kitchens will be the hardest one to replace 
when he's at his best. I think towards the end of the season, after the injury, what we saw was a different Cam, a Cam Kitchens. We saw a Cam Kitchens that was a shell of himself in terms of what his production and his ability were. He had that interception against, uh, was it NC State? No, yeah. it was, uh, forgot who it was. Anyway. The pick but other than that, against Virginia. Against Virginia. There we go. So it it's, but other than that, he was, you know, misaligned a lot. He missed a lot in terms of coverage, missed tackles um, towards the end of the season. I think that injury had a lot to do with it. So if you could at least get someone who's a little bit more competent, if you can get a guy that's competent back there to yeah. replace him and another guy that's competent to replace James Williams. And I know people love James Williams because he was a five-star recruit. He was all this hype. And he's a big dude, and he hits people. He likes to talk and stand over them and act like he's, uh, you know, one of the old school canes. To me, he's been more of like a poor man's Ray Ray Armstrong. Um, he's 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 good, but he hasn't been great. And I think if you get another guy that plays disciplined back there, maybe not as physically talented as he is, if he's good back there and knows what he's doing and plays his assignments and doesn't get beat and do stupid shit, I think you'll be just as good at safety, if not better. All right. Um, any chance we just roll with Jakari next year instead of paying big money for an unproven quarterback? This is from Armando Izagari, AY2 Mondo on Twitter. Uh, Armando, I mean, I think there's a chance. If, I think if Jakari goes out and uh, goes 30 for 30 for 450 yards and four touchdowns and runs for 150 yards and two touchdowns against Rutgers and Miami looks like gangbusters, yeah, I think there's probably a good chance they stick with Jakari. Uh, but I just don't expect that to happen. He hasn't played in over a year, hasn't really practiced with the offense much because he's been, quote-unquote, redshirting. Uh, I'm not expecting him to look like gangbusters, and I'm still looking for Miami to sign somebody in the portal. Yeah, it would take one hell of a performance. And by the way, what was this guy's name? Armando Izagari? Izagari, yes. Is this, did, did Orlando Alzagari and Armando Salguero have a baby? They did, and they called it Armando Izagari. Um, All right. Tony Perez, big Chilean 63. If the FSU snub is, is the FSU snub retaliation for the Alliance holding up the 12 team playoff. No, it's just TV people wanting to see the SEC and reward them. It's what it's, it is. It's, it's the only Alliance being thrown down here is, is uh, the, 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 the empire is trying to push down the rebel Alliance. That is the ACC. Yeah. I, and, and I would say just from a perspective of, justifying TV ratings, right? They they need to justify, hey, we put the four best in. We put the four best we think are, are in. Florida State doesn't have a quarterback. It's not gonna that's not good TV. So yeah, it comes down to ad revenue. Uh this is from Stop Cop City, Taco Thunder Five. How big a deal is the FSU snub considering we will have 12 teams from now on? If it is a big deal, how does that affect the ACC as a conference? ACC member schools in Miami specifically. We talked about that at the top of the show. Taco Screws Thunder. Them. Uh, not a good, not a good uh, feeling for the ACC going forward. I would feel like the ACC right now, specifically Florida State, after what's happened, feels kind of like uh, Marcellus Wallace at the end of Pulp Fiction, right? When they when they let out the gimp. Yeah, yeah, that way. Kind of that feeling. Kane Finn, uh, Kane underscore Finn on Twitter. How much better do the Canes look next year versus this year with the potential portal additions and recruiting class? Year three of a system should be a lot better. Listen, mind. one thing one thing I don't bet against when it comes to Mario is landing talent, right? Whether it be the portal or mm -hmm. in recruiting, that's what he does. That's what he do. So if he's going to go out on the portal, I guarantee you he's going to come back with the kind of guys that he needs to plug and play and continue to make this this thing ascend. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to come back with what the, who the hell. Remember that offensive lineman they signed from where the hell was it? Uh, was it uh, Jesus? The, the school that was uh, like a, a known basketball school. Remember that went to the Final Four a couple times? Butler. They got yes. they signed a tackle from Butler, who ended up not even being an equipment manager on the team. Um, 
during Manny Diaz's time, he doesn't yeah. recruit guys like that. He's going to land guys that fit his profile and fit what he needs. Uh, this is from Randall Carlson. Uh, with the news today of a new division of college football, how long how long will the ACC exist? I, it's a good question, Randall. I, I don't know. I think uh, they are the B programming for ESPN, right? ESPN can't fill every hour with ACC, uh, I mean, with uh, SEC football. The SEC will be king next year on ESPN. Uh, they need the ACC to be uh, the 10 o'clock game on ESPN, too, which is why Cal and Stanford are here, right? They need think, it to be the uh, the other programming. I think what you might end up seeing is, like, if it's if it continues to evolve in this manner, I think you're going to see power – well, power five, which there really is no power five anymore, but mm-hmm. power five programs become their own sort of division of uh, Division one football. And then everybody else, that group of five group, and everyone else becomes a second – division so just above what we used to call one double a so right above fcs would be this group of five non-power five group of football schools that would play each other possibly in a playoff system like they do in the fcs and then the higher tier uh would end up being these power five schools that play like an nfl schedule you give them 16 games 14 games you play a regular season then you play playoffs and then see what happens American Online Zero asked, do you really think anything will happen with the ACC related to the complaints, or is it just talk? Yeah, I don't think anything's happening. Anytime politicians get involved with uh, private entities like college football or the NBA or whatever, not I, I, I mean, what are they going to do? What they, They're not going to change the playoff, right? They're not getting an injunction to make sure Florida State plays uh, in the playoff, that's not going to happen. So uh, it, it is what it is. There, Although it, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody in Congress tries to have like a subcommittee meeting or have some investigation to the the playoff system and all that kind of stuff. Just for, maybe uh, they maybe the only thing they get out of this is that everything has to be transparent. That they have to put out who voted for who and that kind of stuff. Maybe that's a compromise that they make. But what does that knows? do? That's not going to make a difference anywhere. No. Um, Let's see. Do you think it's a mistake Miami isn't pursuing Dante Moore? This is from Sean Deviney, 94, on Twitter. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a mistake. Dante Moore is a talent. I also think Miami likes what they have in Emory Williams in developing him, and I don't think they want to disrupt the apple cart. You know, I think they're just looking for a one-year guy. I also think they like the guy uh... – the other kid from Georgia, they're recruiting, not the one from this class, the one from the next class. What is it, a nickel or something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. That dude, that dude can play. There's a lot of other questions here, Carlos. I, I'm going to just do random here, grabbing one, because I, we just don't have the time. Scary Ramos says, has Mario ever landed a top-notch QB, or has he just inherited them? Oh, God, now you're making me think. Um, you know, he took in a quarterback from the transfer portal from Boston College his last year from from Oregon. He obviously had Justin Herbert, who he inherited. Um, at FIU, he had to recruit some guys to throw the ball to T.Y. Hilton. Um, no, I mean, I don't know that he's ever really gone out and landed. I mean, there were guys that, that Oregon signed um, that were four- and five-star guys or four-star guys. Um but none of them really panned out to be super. So, I mean, it, but that's, I, I think in today's age, the transfer portal is really the way you ought to go about it. You know, I made it, I put out a tweet earlier this week. It's, you know, with all the good quarterbacks that get in the portal, what's the point of even, you know, you have to take one to develop, but the reality is if he gets up and leaves, what are you going to do? Unless you get a guy like Drake May or a guy like that, that can be an instant impact as a freshman. Right. Right. Um, all right, this is the last one. This is from Myrick McCray, MJ McCray. How does Raul feel about FSU 
uh, not being invited to the college football playoff. Did you reach out to Raul, by the way? How's he doing? Uh, Raul has been on a drunken stupor ever since the season ended. He is not happy with 7-5. and five. As you know, he's not into mediocrity. He's been uh, mm -hmm. also dodging the police after stealing some additional mangoes uh, throughout his neighborhood, as he always does, which is why we're raising that's why we're raising funds for Raul. Uh, there is a Raul Legal Defense Fund, if you are mm -hmm. not aware of it. And to be able to participate in this Raul Legal Defense Fund, all you have to do is order one of these shirts right here, yep. Raul mm -hmm. from Hylia, or order the other kind of Raul from Hylia shirt, the, what, what I call the Vice City Raul. Look at that. Nice. Look at that thing. Very Hylia-ish, if mm -hmm. you really want to be uh, into the local flair. So, okay. yeah, Raul's not happy. I'm sure he will make his presence felt now during the holidays. Yeah. If you have not heard it in the past on my podcast, Raul did uh, a rendition of The Night Before Christmas, but it was called The Night Before Signing Day. So if you want to listen to that, look it up on the podcast. Check it out. Make sure you check out the MIA All Day pod with Carlos Ledo, my co-host. Uh, Carlos, we're going to sign off here. Is there any final thought here as we wrap this thing up? Uh, final thought is I hope Jakari does not get hurt during the bowl game or bowl practices. Because if not, it's going. We're gonna to have to go back to a single wing. It's gonna look yeah. very ugly. Um, yeah. Mario may have to get out there and block too. <laughs> Mario's Mario's looking a little bit haggard at this point after two seasons of dealing with what he's had to deal with here. Um, listen, it's exciting. Let's see who else hits the portal. Let's see who Miami lands. Let's see what ends up happening with recruiting. Hope is always the uh, the best drug when it comes to being a sports fan. That's the stuff you like to inject in your veins and see run through your bloodstream. So there's still hope, right? There's still hope of a new season. This one didn't go the way we wanted, did not finish as we anticipated, but there's hope that next year will be better because of everything we're trying to line up here in the transfer portal in the recruiting class. So let's see how it goes. And oh, Rutgers beat Rutgers. Yay. Two and a half point favorite. Miami's a two and a half point favorite going into that game on December 28th. I think it's a two thirty kick. I don't even know what time the kickoff is. I, I know the press conference was today and I had it on in the background to listen. And I heard Mario say the whole thing about Jakari. He said the whole thing about a handful of guys going pro and whatever. We'll see what happens. First, Carlos, first pitch at two thirty in the Yankee stadium. First pitch two thirty, right? First interception at what time? Uh, we will find out. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Wide Right Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe the MIA All Day Pod, uh, and subscribe to the Athletic if you can. Um, you know, I do like being employed; helps me uh, pay the bills. Uh, make sure you you take advantage of one of those deals uh, here before the end of the year. I know that the Athletic always has deals. Uh, Carlos never takes advantage of them. The Athletic always has them, so uh, make sure you sign up. Not that I don't subscribe. I just get nailed with full price. That's yeah. what he means. That's what I mean. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will see you next week. Peace. This is all about the youth.